Hey, Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, thank God nothing has happened over the course of the last few days that has made us have to like come in and like record an emergency episode. Thank God we're coming into this one just totally normal, having not really had to deal with any sort of like major sort of fallout from our favorite hockey team. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing crazy at all has happened. And everything is totally fine. <laughs> correct. Correct. And I, it is wild. Like we're recording this like back to our like traditional format where like I am looking at you through a computer screen because we are no longer together in person. But of course we are being facetious as all hell. And as you all know, as you're listening, uh, the last week has been nothing but chaos for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And so we recorded an episode uh, a few days ago, released that pretty immediately there on Sunday night. And, uh, obviously covering the Mike Babcock thing and we were together when all that happened. So like, it was fun to like, I mean, if it were going to happen, like I'm glad that we were like processing it together and like had the chance to like get on and like live react, just to get all of our thoughts and feelings out into the ether, because I know that we both had a lot of thoughts and feelings. I know we still both have a lot of thoughts and feelings about everything that's been going on and we'll continue to go on. But um, Laura, it is good to see you. I miss you. I miss being in person with you when we do this. We always, I think, have like so much fun when we get the chance to do that. But as always, it's good to see you on the other end of the StreamYard screen, my friend. I miss you too. We had, and we're going to talk about this at length in this episode, but we had so much fun in Traverse City and got to spend like some real quality time together that we don't get to do as much um, anymore. So it was really fun. I know. You, Laura texted me today, everyone, and she was like, just checking in to say hello. And I almost said, are you feeling neglected? Because <laughs> 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 we spent four days together. <laughs> I know, like, but yesterday you, like, didn't text me at all until after I was asleep. And so, yeah, I was feeling neglected. Yeah, so this is, this is like, the, Laura has to wean herself off of me. But, like, I, like, my life is abrupt. <laughs> so, like... I like transition from like one thing. Yeah, he's to another. very much over me leaving like two seconds after I leave. That's he's not like, true. oh, <laughs> bitch is gone. Too dramatic. Back um, to my life. Listen, I we've talked about this as like being a major symptom of ADHD. And if you're somebody who has ADHD and you're listening to the show, like I, my mindset whenever anybody leaves anywhere is always like, I'm so excited to see them again. And I like don't really like miss people unless they like, you know, like are no longer on this earth. <laughs> It's like a hard thing for Laura to process about me and my like mental illness. But I have that opposite in Correct. the ADHD where I, where you literally have come down the stairs once at my house and been like, you know, I'm not leaving until tomorrow, right? So you don't already have to be sad that I'm going. The pre-sad, yeah, correct, correct. But it happens, it happens. But Laura, how are we haven't talked like in a day or two? Like, how how are you? Like, how are things? Anything new? Anything exciting? Um, I'm good. It was literally like such a jolt to the system to come back because obviously I, well, maybe not obviously, but I stayed at your house Sunday night after we got back from Traverse City and then worked from your house on Monday and then drove back to Columbus. So Monday was a very long day. And then (laughs) my dumbass had a very long day yesterday, which is Tuesday. Um, uh, we had our resource fair at work, um, which I've been, it's 
been my like pet project to get us prepared for this, um, you know, resource fair. And essentially it's like students can come and there's like all the campus offices that they can meet with and like student organizations and, you know, there's food and all this sort of stuff. And it's a pretty big deal at Columbus State. And um, we hadn't really been super involved in it because, you know, not everyone wants to interact with the Office of Student Conduct, like, on a regular basis. So um, it was my goal to make us like a fun table to visit. So I'd been putting a lot of work into this. And it was pretty much like from the moment I got into my office, it was go, 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 go. And then four hours outside um, between setting up and tearing down. And then one of my facilitators had an emergency. So I ended up having to facilitate immediately uh, after <laughs> immediately after the resource fair for two hours because my group was super chatty. And then I there's a whole process like after a workshop um, is done. So that took me a really long time. And then I left immediately from work to go to a Clippers game to hang out with friends of the show, Megan and Reese. Uh, the Clippers played terribly, but the weather was beautiful and it was dime a dog night. So, you know, hot dogs abound. And then I had to take a super long way home because they keep putting, uh, 270 South or yeah, 270 South down to one lane after 9 PM. And I didn't feel like sitting in traffic. I'd rather drive a longer distance than sit in traffic and not move, if that makes sense. Again, like I'd I, rather I, be in continuous motion than be sitting. I think that that is something that like I have seen literally be written about people with ADHD. So that's hilarious to me that like we just like talked about <laughs> like man, because yes. I'm the same way. I would rather like even if it takes two minutes longer, I would rather do that than like sit still. So, yeah, so I didn't get home until late. And then, you know, you're, you got to like wind down. And so at like 1030, I was like, all right, I got to go to bed. And I was like, literally hit the pillow and was asleep. So, and I'm still tired, but I'm good. I'm so, so. tired. Uh, you're going to like, you're like, why are we recording at 1017? I would like to go to bed. <laughs> Well, I'm just, like I said to you the other day, I just am convinced that I'm just going to be tired for forever and I'm just going to have to deal. So, well, and we can talk about this too, like about in, in our, you know, assessment of Traverse City and that kind of stuff. But like, I definitely feel recharged in some ways after Traverse City, like not like talking. Yeah, I hope it's not physically because I don't feel <laughs> Don't feel physically recharged from Traverse City. No, like it's well, I think it's like definitely a mental recharge because like I had Thursday, Friday off from work, like all that kind of stuff. So like I like feel like at work I'm like feeling like I'm in a better headspace and like all that kind of stuff. So that's been good this week. Like I'm actually feeling like I'm having a good week at work. But like I'm tired. Like I Traverse City, as we all know, had some complications in relation to the team that we were covering when we were in Traverse City and the stressors that came with that. And like, also just like the feeling like this one definitely felt like, and I'm like, hold on, let me like, before I sound like an asshole, like I am blessed and grateful that this is the case, but like definitely we, I feel like this year we were like a little bit more involved in some of the different like post game, like activities, whether that be like media availability, things like that. And so 
you all are going to get the opportunity to hear some of that in this episode, which I'm really excited for you all to hear. Um, you know, we, and we've been working on some different, like, um, you know, web content, video content to put out here as a uh, training camp gets started. And so again, excited for you all to see that too, but like, definitely like it was more like we relaxed a lot like don't get me wrong but like there definitely were elements of work in it that were just like i don't i'm tired still so it's again it's, it's also really long days too like um we spent a lot of time at the rink each yeah. day of games and um i agree like this definitely felt like a lot more not that last year wasn't like this too, but this definitely felt a lot more, I don't know, official in capacity for us. Um, and again, it's mind boggling to ever be in these situations, but um, we were just in consideration for a lot more things than we were when we were up there our first time. And um, I think the schedule like worked out better because both of us were there for all of the games as opposed to last year where we were kind of divided up. like you were there for game one, I was there for game two. And then um, we were both there for game three, like that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it was just really long days because we wanted to get, you know, as much out of being up there as we could. So after we spent like six, seven hours at the rink, we still wanted to do, you know, whether that be go out to eat or, um, you know, hang out or do whatever, make dinner <laughs> where we didn't eat until 1045 <laughs> at night, like yes. all that sort of stuff. But I have to say that my highlight of the trip has to be, I like, if you know anything about me as you're listening, like, you know, that like cooking for people is kind of like a love language for me. So like, obviously any opportunity I get to cook for people that I care about, I'm like, I'm doing that. And so being able to cook for our crew, like up there was fun for me, but then also like, John Butchagrass quote tweeting our good friend Danny's tweet of my chicken parm and saying that it's 25 games in the AHL and that's ready to go pro. I will take that in a heartbeat as a man who respects the American hockey league. I will take that. Um, to which I said, like call me Kirill Parmchenko because that's roughly about how long he spent in the, <laughs> in the AHL. Like, so if, if I make a chicken parm, that is the equivalent of Kirill Marchenko as a hockey player. I will take that 10 times out of 10. And also I really wish um, I had thought to record this whole process of you and Danny I'm preparing. I'm so glad you didn't. It was so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I've never seen more people, nit more, two people nitpick a dish more, except for like on a actual cooking show. Like and I'm talking like we garnishes and like wiping down the plate and you know, moving even like individual pieces around to like make sure it was intense. And we know, but no it was other delicious. Way. Yeah, we know no other way. You know this about me. You know this about us. Um, it was really good though. It was uh, very lovely. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling tired, but I'm feeling good. So uh, I think like ultimately, like we should get cracking because we've got, and that's not a pun on the team in Seattle. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to get to. We've got, like, we've talked about some different, like, recorded interviews that we got a chance to do this uh, last weekend in Traverse City. We've got some, like, also, like, we didn't really even talk about this and, like, needing to include it in the show. But, like, I feel like we probably have a couple of reactions to, like, some of the media availability that happened on Monday. We've got, obviously, that Traverse City content. And we've got, how many is it, Laura? You said 42 forwards? 
42 forwards. Um, I think... It's okay if we don't know the exact number of everybody else because the 42 forwards is really just like the piece that I'm getting at as being like the most extraordinary. So like we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with like tra- training camp yeah, coming up. Almost and, like, two, we have almost two whole teams worth of forwards. So almost two 23-man rosters. What's ready to say? It's even like technically it's like almost four rosters because it's like 12 skaters per roster, like 12 forwards per roster. It's insane. It's a lot of people that are up there. Uh, when we went through the list earlier though, I was like, oh, okay, like – it is a lot of people on the list. Like, do not get me wrong. But, like, we know where a lot of these people are going, and the reality is it's not Columbus, so it's fine. But, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. I think let's start, like, I want to start, like, by just basically, like, cutting this done. It's over after this point. Like, obviously, if things come out, like, that are important to talk about in relation to it, we will talk about it. Like, we're not going to ignore those things. But at least for the context of, like, going into the season, I think we just want to wrap up, put a bow on the the thoughts about – everything related to Mike Babcock's resigning and the reaction of the team and the reaction of the play, all that kind of stuff. So as we all know, Mike Babcock resigns on Sunday, Monday comes around 1230 uh, press conference to both like address everything that had happened, but then also to kind of follow up by allowing Pascal Vincent to be introduced as the head coach, right. To like have that moment to like actually like solidify some things, give him that availability, give him that recognition. And so, yeah. So, I mean, the blue jackets, (laughs) had a press conference on Monday in which I will say that John Davidson gave off the impression of being a man who understood with a fervor to him, like why what happened was wrong and like why it might've been a mistake to go down the path that they did, uh, you know, saying things along the lines of, you know, again, I'm not hundred percent sure which reporter had asked this question, but like at one point, like the question was asked of, of, of the team and like of JD specifically, like, how do you respond to the fans who like were saying at the time, like, what about idea and the pundits, what about idea, all that kind of stuff. And he said, maybe they were right. And like that, like, I don't know, like something about like the way that he handled himself in that presser was like really good. I think, I think he handled himself well. On the other hand, like I had to go back and forth between like whether or not he was just being a fin and like taking into context, like how I've seen him react at availability before, like both like in our interviews with him, but also like in just like other availabilities that he has done over the course of his tenure as the blue jackets general manager he was pissed like i don't care what anybody like else says like he was pissed because he was wrong like and i don't know that that is something that yarmo is as comfortable to admit or to process and so you could tell that jd had started to work through some of that stuff and was ready to own it yarmo owned it but i don't know how thoroughly he owned it and how uh, excited he was to do the owning of, of everything that had occurred. Yeah, no, I definitely think JD approached the situation um, more genuinely and more kind of like with the falling on the, on the sword, like just fat out admitting, like we made a mistake, like we made a mistake and even though we thought we had a thorough vetting process and we thought we had all of these discussions, um, it clearly wasn't enough. And we clearly weren't treating our players um, as they deserve to be treated. And, you know, that felt very genuine. And I, I felt like he, you know, he said himself, like in his 30 plus years, in the hockey world, this was the most difficult, you know, situation he's been put in. Um, 
and to have to like to truly like have to swallow the fact that this blew up in their faces when kind of initially and not even kind of like initially they were they were very confident about their decision you know they were very proud to hire mike babcock as the next coach they were convinced that it was going to be different with columbus and you know all these sorts of things and sort of kind of f you to everyone who you know was saying don't do this like it's too big of a risk like you're not in a place as a team to take on this kind of like really dodgy situation. And, you know, I think anyone can relate to the fact that you never really want to admit when you're wrong, especially when you've like fought tooth and nail to be right. And I like to think that if Yarmo had been given a few more days before he had to give the press conference that he may not have phrased things in the way that he did. Um, now, some things I think can be just like a European perspective, um, as opposed to like how we think about things as Americans um, and as um, higher education professionals. But I don't know that I necessarily would have come out and said I didn't have a problem with the behavior, but I guess I can see how other people could like that's not really how you want to go about this because it's kind of, it's, and again, it's not, I don't know why I'm giving him grace. It's not respectful to the people who came forward and brought this situation to light because something did happen. We may never know what that was exactly. And we're never going to know who it was more than likely. But in this situation where you're needing to write a very big wrong, do not undermine the victims in the scenario because you're mad at yourself and you're mad that you messed up. Like that's not fair. No. And I, and I'm hopeful. Right. And like, I would make the assumption that like, as Yarmo stated, like he apologized to the team Monday before everything, or at least I'm assuming it was Monday. I guess it could have been Sunday night, but like, I'm assuming no, he said it was Monday Monday morning before. So all of that to say, like, I am hopeful that that was a genuine conversation that he had with the players and we will never be let into that. We don't deserve necessarily to be let into that piece of things. Like I am very okay with those things remaining behind closed doors and whatever have you. Um, But that's my hope, right? Is that like, that was a more genuine conversation and that the folks who maybe were a part of the coming forward and the conversations that were had with the NHL players association. uh, My hope is that they were equally as, you know, respected in that space and that, it was a, a step in the right direction for a task that now head coach Pascal Vincent is going to have to really put a lot of energy and effort into, which is like to make sure that this team is galvanized and to make sure that this team has not grown apart or has not encountered a reconcilable difference. At, what? A rec- oh, what is that word? A rec- irreconcilable? Sure. I couldn't pronounce the word the last episode, so I don't even want to try it. Inrecon... Nope. Inreconcilable? Oh, no. We talk on a show. Like, no, <laughs> like a thing that we do, and we just literally cannot say this word. Basically, I hope that it didn't cause any bridges to burn. Okay? Correct. Like, period. Um, so, like, I'm hopeful that, like, that is going in the right direction. And I'm hopeful that, like, Pascal Vincent is capable of, and I think he is based on like what we know about him as a coach, based on like his availability. Like I think he's capable of being that guy in that locker room to like help to push this forward. Right. I mean, like 
obviously like when you're an assistant coach, you get to kind of play the role of like being the good guy, like in a lot of different ways. The buffer is what they called him. Yeah. Now he's not though, right? Like now, like he's going to have other people who are doing that. And like, we're still not hundred percent sure. Like if we're good on that, like, or if we know exactly what the coaching staff is going to look like or who's going to be doing what on the coaching staff, there's some things to figure out there. And we'll obviously talk about that when it happens, but, but ultimately, right. Like, it is going to be an interesting dynamic for him to jump from being that guy to then being the guy who has to be the bad guy at times. Granted, it's not a role he's unfamiliar with. He's been an, a- he's been an AHL head coach. He's been a head coach and a general manager in the QMJHL. Um, so like he is somebody who like is capable of it. I am excited to see what he can do. I really appreciated his candor during the press conference. Like you could tell that like he was like, it was somber in some ways for him. Like at the beginning, you could tell. And I think by the end of it, he had kind of come into his own and he had really like started to say like, we're going to, we're going to work hard. What you need to know about me is I'm a competitor. Like I am a fierce competitor. I am going to make sure that this team is ready to go on Thursday when we get on ice, you know, all these other kind of things. I'm going to make sure that like above all that, like our fans are proud to be fans of the Columbus Blue Jackets, things like that. Like he said all the right things. I think he means them. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah. I was uh, genuinely impressed by, um, how composed he's been through this entire situation. And you're right. It was uh, kind of somber in the beginning because he addressed it being, it's been a very difficult, you know, few days. Uh, his players have been, you know, hurt in some way. Um, the organization in, of, in and of itself was, you know, in turmoil and he's having to take over this situation sort of, not completely out of nowhere, but like probably not as he expected. And in the same light, he said, you know, I am the luckiest man in the world to be able to have this opportunity and to show what I am able to bring as an NHL coach. And I'm ready to take on the challenges that this team is going to face. And, you know, he, he addressed that he's going to be working extra hard to, help Boone and the rest of the leadership team like try and start bridging these gaps that may have formed over this situation. And, you know, like we said in our episode um, on Sunday night is that like communication is going to be such a key. And he made a point to talk about how much of a communicator he is. And I think that that will be really useful as long as it's um, you know, open to for everyone to communicate and not, and not like a very one-sided situation. But, you know, I feel positive about it. I, like I said on Sunday, you know, he deserves us as the fans um, to rally behind him and to give him all the support that he is going to need to move forward Um with this situation and with this season and um, we can only, you know, just see what happens. But uh, he said, you know, I want the fans to come see us. I want the fans to come see us play and see how we're, we're moving through this. And I think that's important too. You know, there's a lot of talk um, on the internet about, you know, everything with this. And yes, we're not downplaying the fact that this looks very bad for the franchise. And this looks very bad for the front office and upper management. And, you know, the ownership had to kind of come out of their 
cave and make a statement. And um, this is a very big deal and it's not going to go away. You know, it's going to be the talk, even with anything like great and awesome that the Blue Jackets accomplished, this is always going to be the underlying story for the rest of the season. But it's not a time as fans to abandon ship. And, you know, he wants, he wants the people to come out and he wants um, the fans to come and see, see what the players can do. Cause at the root of all of that, that's the important part. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, right. Like I, it's all going to work out. I think people who have abandoned ship to ship over this, like I can understand losing faith in, in the front office and I can understand losing faith and respect in some of those people. I can't tell people what to feel about that or not. Like, right. But I think ultimately, you know, these, this is a locker room. These are guys who like the team is going to be a better team this year. It has to be like logistically, right. Like, like, right. Like logically is going to be a better team. Um, But I think that like, there's a real genuine, I can understand where people are coming from with some of the things that we've seen. Right. So ultimately do what you need to do as a fan, but also like, don't give up now. You've, you've been through too much. (laughs) <laughs> way too much to not stick around the, for this one the scars are already there <laughs> yeah correct and like there will be more like hear me say that like there will be more but ultimately like let's let's keep it let's keep it going and we can kind of keep it going by like going in reverse a little bit uh and talking a little bit about traverse city and talking a little bit about you know just some of what we experienced there and some of what we saw there out of the players and kind of thinking through you know what influence some of what we saw there is going to have on where things are going here in training camp for the jackets, obviously, you know, the plan for some like strategy and like coaching schemes and things like that may have changed even since we were up in Traverse city. Like, let's be Frank here, like call it how it is. But I think the, the general sentiment still stands that there are a number of players on that Traverse city roster that are going to make a valiant effort to make this team out of, out of training camp. And ultimately, like, I think that number is probably not that large who actually gets it done, but there's a number of guys who go into this training camp having had an excellent Traverse City and also like just genuinely being like pretty elite prospects for the Blue Jackets that are going to get a look. Like they're going to get a look from the team. And, you know, we've got a clip or two here that, that'll talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, I mean, I just think like this was a good opportunity to check out like the prospects at work and to see a lot of what we've been hearing, right. Like and reading about, it's like, this is, this is such a good prospect pool. This is a deep prospect pool. And keep in mind, this is not everybody. This is not everybody who is a part of this prospect pool, right. Because you also have to consider players like Gavin Brindley, right. Or like any of the players who are going into NCAA programs, like they are not invited to Traverse city. They are not invited to training camp. So you're not going to get everybody here that you would expect there to be right. Like Gavin Brindley, like never was going to be a blue jacket this year. Like nobody's upset about that. Like that makes sense. So he goes to Michigan. He doesn't even try, Uh, you know, same as like, I believe that that happened. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like that happened with Kent too. Like I don't did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, No. Wait. Yeah. I think it did. I don't think he like started in Columbus at all. Like I think he like went to Michigan again to win a national championship. And then like, in April, once they got eliminated, yeah. Again. Yeah. So I'm so, confusing when he was there last summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, sorry, that yeah, was not bad. This is the third season in which Kent Johnson's going to wear a Blue Jackets jersey in a game, which is crazy to think about. Like time flies, right? Like, but, but yeah. So I mean, I, I think that like obviously we'll talk about some of the players, but uh, what we saw on the ice, like the Blue Jackets were 
elite when their top players were on the ice. And obviously when they played Dallas, they rested five of those guys. And so they lost that game. Like that was the only game they lost in Traverse City. But they're technically still the champions by proxy of like goal differential or whatever have you. I don't know. They lost to a team that also went two and one. So in my book, like they lost. Well, like it's a three-way tie between Toronto, Dallas, and us. Who did Dallas lose to? Detroit. So, so Dallas is the champ. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Like, I. But it's based. They were doing it based on points, and we won by yeah, a point goal differential. differential. Yeah, it was like yeah. total, like, yeah. And so, like, again, I get it. There is no champion technically, but like, I get it. Like, they won. They lost to Dallas, who won it all. Like, I don't know. Never mind. But <laughs> um, nothing to be ashamed of in Traverse City, right? I think that, like, what you saw generally speaking, just like some general takeaways before we start talking about some of the players and before we start getting to some of these clips, which I know everybody's excited to hear and I'm excited to share. Like I generally speaking, the power play with the players that are going to be integral to that power play in the future in Columbus was outstanding. I think it went six of nine, like in the first two games. And so like, that's what all like talk like i think they went 0 for 4 in the third game like it was bad uh, it was and i think it was more play. than 0 for 4 detroit had a lot of penalties or not detroit uh dallas had a lot of penalties on sunday and w- we were all bad on the, yeah. <laughs> the power play it was bad um but yeah so looking at that i think that's a huge positive i think that for me, like a huge takeaway. And honestly, like maybe we'll get to his conversation first was that Pavel Chayam looked really good. Um, I really was a big fan of him over the weekend. He's a good kid too. Like I really liked getting to chat with him a little bit. Like he seemed really genuine. I like, it's one of those moments where like, obviously when you're in that space, you're not a fan, right? Like we're not fans when we're in that space, which is like still something that we're getting used to. (laughs) But uh, you know, just like getting to like, now like he has like i am a, i'm rooting for him like do you know what i mean like i don't know that i'm a fan of his but like i am rooting for him uh just seemed like a good dude and so let's actually like we'll cut to it if you checked it out on on youtube uh, already then you've seen it but if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to it here is a conversation that i had with Papa chayon after uh, the blue jackets took the first game in traverse city against the toronto maple leafs all right, so this is your second year up here. How, how are you feeling coming into the camp? How are you feeling going into, into everything here this weekend? Uh, I mean, I feel great. I think I did a lot of work in summer, and like since I kind of knew what to expect sure. from this season, yeah, I think I'm even more ready for the season. So. Yeah, what, what did the offseason look like for you? What was some of the preparation like? Anything different this year than usual? Uh, I mean, I was practicing with like uh, my home team when I played the juniors. Sure. They allowed me to train there. So that was that was very nice, and then I had like my off ice too. So it was sure. on ice and off ice practice. Good day. stuff. Good stuff. And I mean, it took took the guys on the ice a couple minutes to find the legs. First time getting back out there, you got tested quite a bit early on. You stood yeah. tall. Um, how does that kind of set the tone, set the pace for the rest of your game moving forward? Uh, yeah, I think it helped a lot. Like, yeah. especially like first couple of saves. Like, if I made those. Like, I feel way better in the game. So, yeah. especially in the first game of the year, like it's. 
it's a huge part to make the first days. Yeah, and of course, a couple of 26-minute periods, and for a, for a skater, that ends up looking <laughs> like two or three additional shifts in a game. But for you, six extra minutes in a period, how does that kind of affect how you have to approach a period? Does it change things for you and how you play your game? Uh, yeah, it definitely was long. Like, yeah. it, it felt so long, especially, like, I feel, even if it would be, like, first game, it would feel long, but especially the 26-minute period, it was real long and, like, tiring. But, I mean, it was the same for both teams, so I just, just go through it and just... Sure. And I mean, obviously, you're coming into the season, you're, you're going to be out at, at training camp, all that kind of stuff. What are some of your goals as you enter the season? You know, what are you looking forward to? What does that kind of look like the lead up? Uh, I mean, my goal for the season is definitely like to like earn the contract in the NHL with the Blue Jackets. So that's probably like one of the main things. So I want to play hard, practice hard, just do whatever it takes to get the contract. Good stuff. Well, hey, best of luck to you the rest Thank of the you. way. Great chatting with you. Thank you. Yep, take care. Thank you. He is just so nice and personable and just, like, you can tell how much he loves to play the game. And um, <laughs> if, if listeners, if you had already heard that interview, like, through the YouTube uh, video that we put up, you know that we unfortunately had to do media that day, like, literally standing beside a turned on charter bus oh my god that was annoying um so so there was a lot of noise and like he didn't you know nothing phased him really and yeah he and he performed so well in the time that he got at traverse city and especially that first game against uh toronto like he was really solid uh for basically the first 40 minutes and then obviously he started getting tested in the last 20, 25 minutes um, of that game. And that game was also very uh, awkward because they did the first 12 minutes on one sheet of ice. Yeah. And then that sheet of ice got all janky um, and they couldn't fix it in time. So we had to move to another sheet of ice and then they did two 25, 26 minute periods uh, in a row. And so you know, as everyone knows, goaltenders play the whole game. So like, that's a really long time for a goalie to play. And he, he talks about that to you, or you asked him about that in the, in the interview. Um, But so, yeah, he, in a a time of uh, not great circumstances, he really powered through. Well, and it was true for him for like both, both that game against Toronto, but then also even against Dallas. So he started the game against Dallas and then him and Nolan Lalonde basically like split it as close to in half as possible. I think it was like nine fifty six in the second period when, when they swapped. So like he, even in that first game or the second game that he played in against Dallas, he looked really good then too. Like, I think he only gave up a goal. I want to say maybe two, he might've given up two, but like he, had stopped like 24 of 26 shots. I do think it was two. I think he stopped 24 of 26 shots and Dallas like controlled that game like crazy. It was not too dissimilar from the start of the Toronto game where the, where Toronto really came out firing and he made a couple of really key saves, let the jackets find their foot or find their footing. And then like, actually, you know, they began to score. They began to like handle it, but this was a different situation where like jackets never found that gear. And I think part of that was, Obviously, you didn't have the same guys out there, the same caliber of guys. But, like, all that to say, like, all the guys in Traverse City had a moment that I felt like they were, like, really elite. 
uh, and show that they can be somebody. Even some of the free agent uh, invitees were really great. Um, I want to bring this up a little bit for context. So that way it makes sense as you're listening to the episode. But also got a chance to chat with Yarmo Kekalainen a little bit on Sunday and got the chance to ask him about Pavel Chayon. So uh, hear, hear that interaction here. Obviously, you're entering training camp. You've got Aaron Dell on a PTO, but Pavel Chayon will enter camp with an AHL contract. Is he? Uh, what did you think of his game while he was up here? Is he somebody that you take a look at as potentially earning an NHL contract in this camp, or is that something you just continue to evaluate as you progress through this camp? Uh, well, we got Jed Greaves uh, under contract, and he's a very good prospect. We think highly of him. So he... Um, He's, he's uh, next in our depth chart. We got Aaron Dell for that reason, so we're looking at some goalie depth, and we're still uh, looking at all the other options that we may have in that area. So um, I, I thought Jayan played well here, and uh, it continues to develop, and that's that's all we expect from our young guys. Thanks, Jayan. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, the Jackets are going in with a weird number of goalies. They've got Aaron Dell on a PTO, all that kind of stuff, like we talked about, but like. It's going to be interesting to follow to see like what happens with him, especially because we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like the injury news and all that kind of stuff that came out today about like who's coming into camp a little bit banged up. Who else with Daniel Tarasov is on that list. So like also like thinking through like, are we going to need to consider having another goalie on contract? Because Nolan Lalonde is somebody who does not turn 20 until February of next year. So he is not going to be eligible to play in the NHL or excuse me, the AHL. So like he is somebody who is under contract with the Blue Jackets, but like, is not an option this year and he's not going to make the team. So it's, and that's okay. He's 19, but thinking through that, like if it seems like he's going to be hurt longer, like it's Aaron Dell or Pavel Tryon to me, like who is going to probably get a contract uh, from the blue jackets. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, I'm selfishly like I'm pulling for Pavel there. So anyway, you got a chance to talk to somebody who has been the star of this whole thing. Um, because, who who didn't know Adam Fantilli's name going into it? Nobody, right? But sincerely, nobody didn't know who, who we were talking about leaving Traverse City. He was elite, Laura. Yeah. Um, basically from go, uh, Adam just came out of came out of the gate like ready to be there, ready to be a leader, um, ready to show like just how prepared he is to be an NHLer, and you know they gave him an A to wear, which obviously is a big deal. Um, anytime you get a leadership opportunity like that, and I think he really took advantage of it. Uh, he had, you know, two really great performances. He played on uh, against uh, Toronto on Thursday, and then on Saturday against Detroit, and they let him rest um, on Sunday against Dallas, um, just because you know we've got training camp coming up and, you know, he is, he is our star on the rise. Uh, but yeah. And he was also definitely the talk of the town at Traverse city by kind of everyone that was there, even, you know, fans of other teams were wanting to come and see Adam Fantilli on the ice, um, which I think is really funny and sort of to put really perspective on what Traverse city is like, because, um, I think sometimes when we talk to people about it, they have this sort of glamorized version of what it is. But the arena that Traverse City, that the tournament is held in, is essentially like going to any of the chiller locations in Columbus, if you've ever been to them. It's a small community rink. It has two sheets of ice. You know, like 
very limited space, one concession stand, the sort of situation. Like it's a small place. Like you would bring your kids there to teach to for learn to skate things. Um, and so on Sunday when Adam wasn't playing, um, he was just chilling with his mom and dad um, up in the con- up in the concourse, like eating a burrito. Um, you know, just sort of very casual. And that's where you get to remember that, like, not only is Traverse City a unique opportunity, but also that he is an 18-year-old kid who just kind of wanna wants to relax and hang out with his mom and dad. Like, very, like, chill, normal, you know, kid experience, but also this immaculate sort of star on the rise future of the Blue Jackets, hopefully, like, it's such a a juxtaposition, um, these two worlds that he's sort of balancing in. But um, yes, I did get an opportunity to speak with him and to sort of explain why our interviews are like this, where usually we do them together. Um, Because we aren't fancy and are able to bring a third person with us to like film while we're interviewing, we had to take turns. Um, and also because of how we filmed a different uh, content situation that we're going to be sharing with all of you very soon that I think everyone will love because it's super fun. Um, that's why it's going back and forth between Jeremy interviewing people and me interviewing people. So just to explain those things. But I had a great time speaking with Adam and he is just so poised for an 18-year-old and this is our second opportunity to speak with him. And I think he's just um, relaxing more and more into this, into this new life of his. So um, here's an opportunity for you to hear my interview with Adam Fantilli. So first up, you were awarded an A to wear this tournament and you've had two really impressive showings thus far. How are you feeling about your time up here in Traverse today? Yeah, feeling really good. I mean, as you play, you get more comfortable, you get more confident and you just keep playing the way you want to play. And I, we've been playing with a lot of great players, a lot of great people. So uh, we've all been having a lot of fun and I think everybody's been pretty happy with the way, they, with the way they've been playing. Yeah, you guys have definitely been having a blast on the ice, you can tell. Um, So you spoke a little bit about this on Thursday, but how did it feel for you to put on that Blue Jacket sweater for the first time for a game and not just, like, press or media? Yeah, it felt really good. I mean, anytime you get to pull over an NHL jersey, especially for the first time, it it feels amazing. And uh, a lot of kids wait a long time for this. And uh, being able to pull it over for the first time felt great. And and, and to be able to play in it and and try and do our best and eventually get the win there, I thought that that was a really great experience for a lot of us. Awesome. Um, you have one game left in Traverse City, and then uh, training camp starts midweek. So how are you feeling about going to your first NHL-level camp, and do you have any goals that you want to achieve uh, while you're going through it? Uh, nothing in particular. I'm just trying to be where my feet are and, and have the most fun that I can. I mean, I feel pretty confident going into the first training camp. I've been down there for a while, getting to know the guys, getting to know the level, and um, I'm, I'm feeling confident. I'm, I'm excited to, ooh, to, uh, <laughs> to get going down there. And we had an opportunity to talk with you at Dev Camp. Um, so, how was the rest of your summer? Was it? Did you get to relax any, or was it pretty much go 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 for the whole time? Yeah, after Dev Camp, I went out to PEI with my family for a little bit. Got to relax for three or four days out there, and then went straight back to Toronto and drove down to Michigan and, and started to get back to work. And I only had like six months or six weeks to get ready for the season, so I tried to get as much good training as I could. Yeah, I mean that kid is like mature beyond his years like i think that i'm a pretty mature dude like for the age that i am and i think i always kind of have been but i know that he is more mature at 18 than i was at 18 so uh the one thing that i'll always say like that i kind of appreciate is that like 
in any other year, Adam Fantilli would have been a number one overall draft pick. Like, and that's like not even disrespecting like Leo Carlson either. Like Leo Carlson probably would have been too. I think that the thing about this whole thing that I am glad for is like there isn't all of this like major media attention in the same way that there is on like a Connor Bedard. Like I, if I hear another thing about Connor Bedard having a hat trick during the Chicago Blackhawks prospect tournament, I'm going to lose my mind. Um, which like, that's not, that's not a Connor Bedard, like Griff, like Connor Bedard is a great, great hockey player. And like, I am sure he's going to have an amazing career that is like eons better than anything we all can imagine. But, like, I am glad, like, that kind of attention is not surrounding this guy. Like, Adam Fantilli would be, would handle that with grace. Like, I know that to be true. But it's more so just, like, that added pressure is something that he is not going to have, I think, in Columbus, the way that Connor Bedard is going to have in Chicago. So I am excited to see, like, what he's going to do. He talked about how exciting it was to, like, be able to put that jersey on and, like, actually, like, play the game, right, and, like, get out there. And that's the kind of thing, right, that I, like – I just think that he is going to be so genuine when he's on the ice. I think that like what he's going to bring to Columbus is going to be so important. And so I, I can't wait to see just kind of how he continues to develop through this year. Like no matter where he starts the season, I know that he's going to like finish the season on that first line, like ready to go and like continue to compete to be like a, a top young prospect in the league. And frankly, like I think this kid's going to make a run at the Calder and I think he might shock some people with the season that he has. So I'm really excited to see it. He was insane in Traverse city. I think he had, was he was he three five and eight or was he three four and seven? I can't remember. I can't remember specifically. Um, I know he was second um, under Jordan. Yeah. So yeah, Jordan Dumay. Jordan Dumay is somebody who we've got a lot to talk about. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk to him like one on one. We have before, right? Like he's great. Like he is excited. I think for this season, he's a much quieter guy. Like, but he is he's quiet, but he's intense. Like, and he is like, he carries an intensity about him that is much different. I think than like what some of the, these players, like I had to remind myself, like Jeremy, you're like seven years older than this kid. Like he's intense. Like um, he is competitive as all hell. Like you can tell that about him. And uh, I am excited to see what that's going to yield because as we know, like, the circumstance has been and continues to be. And like, we always keep talking about like, if, if for whatever reason, Jordan Dumay, and not even for whatever reason, it would make sense. If Jordan Dumay doesn't make this roster this year, he has to go back to his, you know, Q team, right? Like he has to go back to Halifax. Um, That said, some people started talking a little bit like during Traverse city, right? Like you started to get a sense that like, there were some people who were wondering like, Shane Wright, right? Like Shane Wright just got an exemption status to play in the AHL this season for the Coachella Valley Firebirds if he does not make the team in Seattle this year. And so like obviously like that isn't necessarily overly surprising. I like I don't think is he one of the ones did he have exceptional status in the No, I don't think he did. He had a little bit of a weird situation where like he lost a year and part of it was because of like, it was mostly because of COVID. Right. Like, and so like that technically counted in his like amount of years he played in the CHL. So like he was able to get an exemption. Right. And so taking a look at uh, some information here, so that way everyone's up to speed. Uh, so he was able to play last year. He played in eight games in the NHL because the rule is, and the rule has always been this, you cannot play more than like, 
Jordan do make it technically make this team play like six or seven games and like have a little bit of like a quote unquote tryout period. And then he could get sent back to the CHL. Um, I didn't get the impression that that was something that they are interested in looking at doing. Uh, and we'll kind of like preface that in a second, but like, or provide context for that in a second. But if you look at his number of games played in the OHL, uh, Shane Wright has played in, it looks like 83 plus 58 is 141 games. Is that right? Let's say it was. Um, we're going to say that my math was good there. If you take a look at Jordan Dumay, who is a player who obviously, you know, has not had the same level of, I don't want to say like attention, but like, yeah, right. Like, I mean, like he's not a Shane Wright level prospect. He was not a fourth overall pick. He was drafted instead in the third round. Right. Like, so you take a look at this guy and he has played in 108 plus 64 is 172 games in the, in the CHL. So he's like, so that's in the entire like Canadian junior league. Right. Like, so he's played in more games he's had more elite stats like, and that being said though, like obviously like the way that the queue works and like the way in which like players can score in the queue is different than it is in the O right. But like all that is to say like this kid is shown time and time again, that like he is capable of doing really amazing things on the ice. Is he somebody that should be exempt? And people ask that at Traverse city. So I'm going to flip it back to uh, Yarmulke Kalina's response to it was Aaron Port's line who asked the question, which I was mad. I was like, that was my question. I had it ready. Like, cause I was like, I'm going to get him with this one. And then Porty is like, I'm going to do Porty shit. And so he did. And so here is the response that Yarmo gave to that question. We have not, but, but you know, we respect the, uh, the contracts in place between the NHL and the CHL. And we're going to have some talks and, and see, um, see what may be the best. Yeah. Um, course of action for us in, in those cases. I think that, that the both of, both of them have proven that they're, they've already pretty much accomplished anything that you can accomplish on the junior level. And and um, Tume's actually played way more games uh, in junior than, than Shane Wright. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting case. Are you waiting to see how the Shane Wright case is determined before you proceed? Well, I think it has been determined, but I, I think it has something to do with the accrued seasons. And one of the seasons that he accrued was the COVID season when we didn't play any games in, in OHL. So it's an interesting case, but, but like I said, we'll respect whatever the NHL uh, gives us uh, for direction. And, and I think it uh, has a lot to do with the contract between the CHL and the NHL. Yeah. Have you requested that yet, or are you just saying no, you may? No. You may. Uh, we'll, we'll consider all of our options yeah is it a case where you want to see what they look like at camp before you proceed with that well yeah because if they make our team then we don't have to deal with it but right it's it's a long ways from here so you're saying there's a chance (laughs) like he did that thing that he does right like where it's very much like he was kind of like a jackass about it like in the best way like this is like in the like yarmo like endearing way where it's like well, I don't know, like Shane Wright played in this many games, but like, we'll see, like, like, oh, we haven't, like, he could make our team, so we haven't really thought about it. Like, it's like, oh, you, you have, like, don't lie to us. Like, you've thought about it. Um, so do you think that that's something the Blue Jackets should consider? Because there are also areas of his game, right, that, you know, people have talked about and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff that, like, they think that he could find a way. I think Trent Vogelhuber, you mm-hmm. might hear it. I'm going to actually play it. I think that did happen. Here's Trent Vogelhuber talking a little bit about Jordan Dumais and talking a little bit about 
that development that he's looking for out of this kid for in terms of a 200 foot perspective yeah well, that's what we talked to him about that um just rounding out the 200 foot game and that's he's hungry to to be a 200 foot player he knows to play in the national hockey league especially at someone who's you know probably a touch undersized um you have to you've got to be good in all areas from last year to this year He's probably the biggest difference I've seen through two games in just um, willingness to do the the small detail things. He blocked a huge shot, and you know, last game he's stopping on piles, going on underneath the body. He's he's uh, he's a dog on the forecheck, like he's winning his battles. So just a, a vast improvement in those areas in, in the two games I've seen from last year's Traverse City. And, you, and then you can see when he does those little things, that skill uh, takes over, and he's he can he can put it away like like with the, with the best of them. Well, he's got a great shot, but like the passion's pretty amazing. Oh, he's like a like you, look. You don't get 140 points, and I don't care what league you're in. If you're just a good shooter or just a good, he's a playmaker and he's a scorer. Uh, I, I feel confident. I think every game I've coached him, he's scored a goal. So he's. He, it's like he knows he's going to score going into it. His confidence is through the roof. And like I said, rounding out those details away from the puck and the defensive side, um, they'll show a lot of promise if he can continue. That is 19, right? I know. Right? Yeah, <laughs> does it, does it irritate you that he, he can't get the big uh, No. I, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it would be great to have him, you know. Um, but our goal ultimately is to, you know, get him to Columbus. So hopefully, hopefully... If he's um, if he's real about getting better in those areas, he can continue and do that in junior hockey because the scoring side of it is something that comes pretty naturally to him. All right, so like, yes, there's that interjection. Uh, I, we have so much content that like I keep forgetting what we have content for. Uh, yeah. so he could make that progress in the queue. I like playing away from the puck and like that kind of stuff. Like. That is an area where he could develop. He's also going to be like a near 20 year old potentially playing against like 17, 18 year old. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I don't know if it's actually like in his best interest developmentally to be doing that stuff in that space. I should he be doing that stuff in the AHL? Could he get this exemption? I don't even know if logistically, like with all the red tape, if it's even possible at this point to get that exemption, like this far into the process, it probably isn't. But do you think that that would be the better development track for Jordan Dumay if he doesn't make this roster? I mean, I think so, because in other conversations we heard from him, like he's taking he's taking it all in stride. Like he's very genuine about this entire situation. He is a very serious kid. Like he takes things very seriously, but you can also tell that he's just like, whatever they say I have to do, that is what I will do because it will get me to this next goal, which is playing in the NHL. Um, so he almost like, he doesn't want to ruffle too many feathers because, you know, and put out too many hints of like, are you gonna like try and get me an exemption or, um, this, that, or the other thing. So essentially he doesn't want to seem ungrateful, which I think is really admirable because he is, you know, this is his life and his career and, you know, he wants to make the most of it for himself, but he is going to be kind of like the kid who has a growth spurt in the sixth grade and is you know towers over the rest of his friends playing in the queue again because his skill level and his maturity and his game sense 
is going to be so much higher than most of the kids or most, yeah, most of the kids that play in those leagues. Um, so it's kind of an unfair advantage. I mean, it's not going to challenge him really as much as being given the opportunity to play in the AHL um, where you're playing against more players that are men on the ice. And like, it's, it's just such a, a faster game and a more competitive game. And I think it would challenge him and really help tone some of those weaker areas that he has because he is incredibly talented and he's super fast, but you can definitely tell that he needs some shining in certain areas. So for me, I think it would be better to try and get him the exemption, but you know, as we know, Yarmo likes to play things close to the vest and we have 42 forwards that are in training camp. So he's really going to have to shine. I think not necessarily to make the blue jackets. Cause I don't think he's quite ready for that, but he's really going to have to shine if they're going to consider going through all that paperwork and, you know, rigmarole to get him to be able to play in the AHL. But my hopeful heart is that he can do that so that he can um, at least have some opportunity to grow and develop more um, as opposed to kind of staying stagnant um, in the queue. Did you just say rigmarole? I did. Okay. Interesting. Uh, um, how many, I was just like looking at his stats. Like as I was like looking at the games played, I don't know that I clocked this at any point. Obviously, massive number of points. That's not out for debate. 140 points last season. He played in 68 games last year. 60, well, two years ago. 68 games two years ago. 64 games last year. Guess how many penalty minutes he had between those two seasons? Played in 100, between those two seasons, 132 games, had 249 points. How many penalty minutes do you think he had (laughs) those two seasons? combined um for those listening at home doing your own math thinking like two minute minor five minute majors just doing that math thinking about how many penalties this kid might have taken 42 he had 12 in the last two seasons (laughs) he had 12 penalty minutes in the last so he's a sneaky bastard too he can do stuff and get away with it he had 32 penalty minutes is in his entire q career like if it were to end this year 32 penalty minutes in three seasons wow insane to me but i digress on the jordan dumay train we're rooting for that kid too like i think that he's got a, a great like he looked really good away from the puck this year like i like everything about his game seemed improved in traverse city this year he was electric on the power play he was able to shine at even strength like this kid had four goals four assists in two games played like he had eight points led the tournament overall and on top of that was only two points away from based on the the data that we were able to access, like back to 2007, obviously this tournament's a little bit older than that, but 27 or since 2007, he would have really probably had the opportunity against Dallas just doing the math four points per game. If he would have gotten three points in that game, he would have set the tournament record for points in a tournament. And so that, I mean, like, again, just electric. 
he looks great again this year. Um, other players that looked really great, I think, like James Malatesto, those players were awesome. Like, I, yeah. Can I make just his last comment about Jordan? Of course. Is I just wished in all my might that someone would have told the announcer at the tournament how oh to pronounce God. his last name. Oh because God. the different variations of how they pronounce Dumay was insanity. Dumas. Dumis. It was Dumai, just I think was one. Dumai, I feel like Dumai, yeah. Yeah. Just so many. I was like, did they not give him a phonetic like roster? Because they do those. We've seen them. We've got them for things. It was just terrible. So, Jordan, I apologize. Most of us know your last name is Dume. This is true. This is true we do. Um, but some other players, like, admittedly, like, I ate my words a little bit um, because I had mentioned to both you and Kyle while we were up there, I was like, I just, like, David Juracek has, like, struggled a little bit in a way that I didn't expect for him to in the tournament. And then he proceeded to, like, make me a liar and like really picked it up from that point. But he got a little bit of a slower start to the tournament, but he found it. And like, he ultimately, like, I think he had a good rest of the tournament. He had, we had an opportunity to talk to him as well. And so uh, that was the first time that we got a chance to meet him. I think like I was expecting him to be a little bit like more timid. I don't know. Like he definitely like is quieter as a human, like, but he's not a timid guy. Does that make sense? Like I like didn't get the impression that he's like a shy dude. Like he, he is excited to talk about things. I just think that like one also still like, obviously he's comfortable with English, but I think obviously like the more he grows into doing press and media availability during his time in Columbus, like that's going to grow exponentially, but he was really great to get to chat to. So uh, take a listen to the conversation I got a chance to have with David Juracek, who was the blue jackets first round draft pick back in 2022 all right david well hey after spending last year you had some time in the ahl some time in the nhl obviously you come to traverse city with a little bit more experience this year just how has that been being able to come in with that experience and how has that kind of changed the way you've approached it i mean uh, i got uh, like more experience than 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 i had last year so uh, and uh, I I like it here. Uh, that's 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 fun to play here. A lot of goals. So uh, yeah, that's fun to play uh, play here. And uh, I I like to come back here uh, every year. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to see too many goal games like that over in Columbus, do you? <laughs> Not too many ten seven games. Yeah, there's so there's so many turnovers and stuff. You know, uh, everyone wants to show the, the scouts and the and the coaches like uh, they're the best. You know, so so and I mean that's fun. That's fun. Uh, you are like uh, getting used to it, the game shape. You know, and and. That's that's that, that's good to have that games. Yeah, without a doubt. And obviously, the front office did a lot to improve the blue line here over the off season. How does that kind of affect your approach to the off season? What did the off season look like for you? Getting ready to to head to training camp? It's going to be a big one for you. Yeah, for sure. I'm just I'm just uh, just worked hard. I I hope and then uh, I, I I hope I'm I'm ready for the training camp and uh, I I want to show her. Everything, uh, what I have, and uh, uh, we will see what happens after. Sure, and, and obviously, congratulations on you were named last year to the inaugural um, NHL prospects team, uh, all prospects team for, by the AHL. What did that mean to you when it happened, and you know, how do you carry that momentum into the season? Uh, yeah, uh, like I mean, thank you, uh, coaches, uh, all my teammates. That, that, that was a fun year, uh, and uh, I hope this one will be way, way, way better than 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 the last one uh, as a organization. So. 
stuff. Well, we appreciate it, David. Take care. Good to meet you. Take care. I just love his personality. Like, I know he's, like we said, he's a quieter guy, but when you get him going, like, he really does like to talk. And I just feel like once you get to know him, like, if you were to hang out with him, he'd be real funny. Like, I feel like he's kind of one of those guys that if he's going to have a joke, it's going to be kind of like out of nowhere and, but it's going to be hilarious. So I just really liked his personality. And I think the year that he spent um, in Cleveland this past season, like was really beneficial for him. Um, Not quite sure that he's going to make the cut quite yet um, to immediately be, but who knows? Because as we'll talk about in a little bit, freaking Jake Bean is injured again. So he might make it. Um, but I do think that that year in the AHL like really helped to mature him and like get him ready. And you know, just like I said, what would be the circumstance with Jordan Dumay? But like, I think he he seems much more like comfortable and confident. Um, I know we didn't get a chance to speak with him last year, but. Um, yeah, he was just, I was, I loved like watching and filming that interview because um, he just seems like a really cool kid. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. So I'm excited to see how he comes into training camp. Um, you know, we got a couple of other really great opportunities to chat to some folks. Um, you know, obviously, you know, talk to Yarmo a little bit. Got a chance to, like we said, hear from Trent Vogel Huber. Uh, you know, want to throw in there just a little tidbit that we had with him to talk about some of the adversity that the team faced. Specifically on Saturday, they went down uh, three to one and then four to nothing against the Red Wings. And so, want to play just a little bit of like his thoughts on some of the different like leadership things that he saw throughout that and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, here is uh, future NHL head coach. Like, let's just call it how it is because this dude has got it. Uh, Trent Vogel Huber head coach of the Cleveland Monsters, also head coach of the Blue Jackets at the Traverse City Prospect Tournament. Kind of just looking at today's game, I mean, obviously we're not talking about any sort of a major competitive environment. We're talking about, you know, a prospect tournament, but you've got these guys that go down 3 nothing, 4-1. So mm-hmm. at this stage in their development, how important is it for them to play through those moments? And what was the energy like on the bench as they were starting to play through that 3-3 three, three, uh, goal deficit? Yeah, I mean, you you wouldn't know it's a non-competitive environment on the bench. The, the players at this level um, are where they are because when the puck drops, it's, they're ready to go and they want to win. And everybody was saying the right things. Like I said, I thought we did uh, control the play for the most part in the first period, and we just so happened to be down 4-1 early in the second. But they just went about their business and kept uh, – there's zero panic or zero um, straying from the kind of game plan that we talked about. And they just kept at it, kept at it, got rewarded. And, and then they take penalties, and you, you make them pay in the power play. And it was uh, really fun to see them, like you said, get rewarded for that – uh, when you know a lot of young kids could, could panic and start veering off on their own, they didn't at all and just kept to work. I know you already said this, but like he truly is going to be just a very awesome future NHL head coach. Like he just has such an air about him. I mean, he's a young coach. Uh, he just really believes in his players, and he really believes in player development and. I think probably us being like higher education professionals, like seeing like the promise in someone, especially of, of people this age group, like the young prospects, like we can really relate to that. And the joy that he had in that uh, press scrum after uh, the game was just, he was like, even with any little 
you know, mistake or situation that they may have made, like each, every single one of them that touched that, touched that ice, um, had a good point and like made an impression in some way. And I think that that's really important to, um, make note of as a coach and like to tell your players, like, even if they miss mess up in some point, there is a, a silver lining or a bright light or a bright point in, you know, whatever they did on the ice. So he just has such a great personality. And um, I think the prospects were really lucky to have him uh, behind the bench for the whole weekend. Cause um, while he is, you know, a very direct coach, he's just super supportive. And I think, you know, a lot of them were nervous um, uh, not on our team that I'm aware of, but like there definitely were a couple different players from other teams that were, uh, tossing their cookies on the bench, uh, for various reasons. So whether that be nerves or adrenaline or whatnot, um, but I think he's a real calming force. So, um, I think that was nice for our prospects to have behind the bench. Yeah. With, without a doubt. And so I'm just excited to follow him a little bit in Cleveland this year. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see. And so, Shout out to him and shout out to the entire coaching staff in Traverse City. Obviously, like they were dealing with some circumstances that were like outside of their control and the development coaches and all that kind of stuff had to basically like be 100% to make sure that everything stayed on the task at hand, which was to give these guys an opportunity to show up and show out in Traverse City. And they did that. And they did that. And so kudos to them, to the folks like Rick Nash, Derek Dorsett, the assistant coaching staff that I know was there and involved to some extent, like Jared Bowl, right? Like, I mean, like that was, that was fun to see. And at the time, I said to see a head coach, Pascal Vincent, um, it was fun to watch. And so, you know, I'm excited to see how that energy translates into training camp. I just want to shout out our, um, our travel buddies and our Airbnb roommates and our rider dies, uh, Kyle and Danny, who went on this adventure with us uh, this past weekend and just how much fun we had with the two of them um, and the little family that we created uh, as we were all up there. We had a great day, like sightseeing and all this sort of stuff. And it was just great to have each other um, at the rink too, to, you know, if somebody needed something, especially Danny, who had the incredible opportunity to be uh, taking all of the photos uh, for the Blue Jackets uh, up in Traverse City and just between Jeremy, Kyle and I doing interviews and, um, you know, getting content from the games and everything. We just really worked well um, as a team and we had so much fun. So uh, hopefully we get to have more times like that, but I didn't want to let the Traverse City part of the show go past um, without giving a little shout out to our buds. Correct. Yeah. We love them more than words. Kind of like taking a look then at like getting the, the good energy from Traverse City and transitioning that into training camp and thinking about how that's going to affect some players as they head into the camp. I, you know, obviously we made the joke earlier about the fact that there are 42 forwards as uh, in a in this cesspool of, of things, but like ultimately, right? Like there are going to be some storylines here that are worth following. Like we don't need to hold our breath about whether or not Johnny Goudreau, Patrick Line, Boone Jenner are making this hockey team. Like we're not worried about that storyline. I think you could wonder like, how are the lines going to shape up? But like, we're not to that point of training camp yet. Like where we're even like really super thinking about that. We'll start to see a little bit of that in some of the exhibition games, but like really not even to a full extent. 
But instead, what we're going to start to think about and see is like, who are these players that are going to have the most interesting storylines during training camp? There are a number of them. And I'm going to put a challenge out to us that we're going to both name three players from each skater group. Uh, we're not going to touch too much on the goalies because we kind of know like what that situation is. We've actually really kind of already talked about it on the show to some extent. But we're going to shift to thinking about the forwards and the defensemen who are here in, in Columbus going through training camp this this cycle around and we're going to see if they can they can make the team right like we're going to see if they can make a run for it and laura i will let you go first we're not allowed to pick the same players so i will let you go first and then we can kind of keep going from there but laura who is who is the player we're going to start with the forwards talk to me about who you are most excited to see and you know kind of like watch during this training camp um my first one's going to be justin danforth um just because it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. Like uh, last season, obviously he was projected to make a big difference on our roster and like had a really good first little bit and then was just sidelined by that terrible shoulder injury that apparently everyone had to have last year um, or last season. So he's, he's one of those borderline players. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, we talked about it at length before on the show, but I just love his story. Um, and I know how hard he's worked to get to this point in his career. So as the softy on the show, like I'm just really rooting for him and it's going to be interesting to see uh, what he's able to come do at camp, having not played uh, basically since like last November. So. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated to see where this is going to go. And I even think it might've been even earlier than that. I feel like it might've been October, like late October that he got hurt. Like he was like somebody who started so hot and just kind of fell off after the injury, right? Like we didn't talk about him all that much because like he wasn't going to play again. And we knew that like, that was the reality of our season at that point. Like, I think it was around the same time that like Jake Bean was getting hurt and like, so like ultimately like we knew that it was going to be that kind of a year by the time that, that Justin Danforth got hurt. So I'm rooting for him for sure. I think to a similar effect, I'm trying to like be strategic. I'm like, who can I pick now that you won't pick next that like, or vice versa that like I can get away with being able to pick players. I'm going to go, I want to go with Cole Sillinger. That's who I'm going to go next. I think that he is going to be really important to watch during this camp because I think that he has had quite the interesting year. Obviously, you know, had a little bit of a sophomore slump and also like I'm not playing into like the, the pop culture nature of like the relationship that he's exiting, but like, or has exited, but like that, like, obviously like he has had some attention on him, like for some reasons that like are not for his hockey. And so like, I don't know, like I am hopeful that like he is able to come to camp with the right mindset and that he's able to prioritize camp and he's going to be able to roll with the punches and also is going to have like a positive attitude about if he does end up getting sent back down to Cleveland for the start of this year, which is something that is like a realistic possibility with him being one of the forwards that the Blue Jackets have some flexibility with sending to Cleveland to start the year. They're not going to do it just because they can. He's like, if it happens, it's going to be because they think that's what's best for his development. But like, he's got just as much of a chance to make this team as anybody else. I mean, he made it, his first season in the NHL had a little bit of a sophomore slump. I think the kick could rebound. So I'm interested to see what energy he brings into camp this fall. I muted myself because I was trying to be respectful and then I forgot. Um, no, I completely agree. I'm always rooting for Cole. 
Um, I'm hopeful that this can be sort of a turnaround situation for him, but it's going to be interesting. Maybe, like we said before, he got a new number, so new number, new Cole. Um, We'll see how that goes, but I'm rooting for him. So the next one I'm going to pick, I think is going to make you mad because I know that you would probably want to talk about him, but I'm going to pick Alexander Texier. Yeah, um, go ahead, Tex hater, go ahead. Hey, I think it's probably the best for me to talk about him since I have had the most doubt. But it's been based roughly 18-ish months since we've seen um, Tex in a Blue Jacket sweater um, after he got injured at the end or kind of in the middle of the uh, 2021 season. And or no, was it 2021? It was the... Um, 21-22. Yeah. Was it that one? Go ahead and keep talking. I'll look it up. Okay. Whichever season, Jeremy's going to clarify. Um, uh, where he got injured and then unfortunately suffered some a really just tremendous personal losses, uh, which required him to return home to France uh, to be closer to his family and get some much-needed support um, in order to process some things. And he played last season, um, in Europe and had some some successful moments. Um, but it's definitely been quite a time since we've seen him. Like we were kind of joking earlier that so much stuff has changed since he left. Like they have a whole new locker room and a decent chunk of the people that he knew on the team are not there anymore. Um, so it's going to be kind of a whole new world for Tex coming back. Um, but even just like in images of him from doing media day and like doing all the things that they filmed before the start of the season, like he looks really healthy and like really happy. And I was talking about this with um, our friend Megan last night and she's like, he kind of like transitioned from a boy to a man while he was gone. Like he was very boyish looking still, um, when when he was still here and now he's you can tell that he's matured and grown up and I'm just interested to see um where he fits in um because it's been a while and we have a lot of different talents uh than we had before so I'm I'm rooting for him but it's definitely going to be interesting yeah, his last game as the Blue Jacket was January 26th, 2022 of the 2021-2022 season. So it's really actually closer to like 21-22 months. Uh, so it's been a while, almost two years. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, that, that stuff happens in the league. And so we're always going to be eager to see how, how he's going to perform and what he's going to look like. Okay, where do I go from here? Um, forward that I am most looking forward to seeing i think i'm gonna go with let's keep it i'm gonna not say anybody that we've talked about on the show already because i want to keep it interesting because jordan dumay is going to be interesting but like i like we can pass over that i'll be interested to see how james malatesta looks i think that he has been somebody worth watching both at dev camp, but then also I think he like looked really good in Traverse city. this is his third Traverse city. Granted his first one, like he had like gotten like thrown out of the game for like, you know, a, a unsavory hit. Right. Like, so he was like out of the tournament, but like, 
I am interested to see like what he's going to look like. I think that he is going to potentially be somebody who could make an impact in Cleveland. I'm hopeful for that for him. I'm excited to see what he can bring. Uh, so all in all, like also seems like a good dude who has a winner's mentality to him. Won a championship in the queue last year was the MVP of the playoffs. I just think he's coming off of that season with a lot of swagger and I'm excited to see how that's going to translate into training camp and potentially like also how it's going to translate into the monsters this year. I think he could be somebody who makes his NHL debut this year. Like he's somebody who I think could be a call up in a situation where they need some depth and they need some grit. So like, I'm excited to see what that's going to turn into for James Malatesta this year. Yeah, I love watching James play. Um, he's so dynamic on the ice, and, like, he had such a good year last year. It'll be – yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see where he falls and what opportunities come for him um, over the course of this season. But he's just a really good, really good player. Um, but my last forward is Kent Johnson. This will be his second full season third technically of him sporting a blue jacket sweater, but um, I'm interested to see what his technical sophomore season uh, looks like and how uh, determined he's going to be coming into camp. Again, he maybe doesn't have as much competition as some of these other guys uh, that are younger, but he definitely still has a lot to prove. Um, We're still looking for him, you know, to put on some weight and, sort of, you know, make himself a more dynamic and physical player. But, you know, I think it's it's always really interesting when you get past that first, like, full season as a player because, uh, you know, the shine starts to wear away and people start having, like, higher expectations of you. And, you know, you're not the shiniest new toy in the box. So um, I want to see how he handles that and hopefully well. Um, but if not, I hope he's open to learning opportunities. So that's my third one. All right. So my number three is none other than Joaquin Smallwood. Um, <laughs> not really, but what a name. What a fucking name. Uh, I am obsessed. Uh, let, let me know on Twitter. We're never going to call it X, right? Like, let me know on Twitter. Uh, which your preference is? Grant Clitsum. Or Joaquin Smallwood. Like, I just need to know, like, for the sake of understanding, like, who who has the better hockey name? But anyway, you know, as I take a look at this list, like, I'm trying again to, like, not be too, not be too stereotypical with my pick here. But, like, I, we haven't said his name once on this show yet. And I think that, like, he is somebody who, obviously, like, he was in Traverse City and, like, had a lot of people paying attention to him. And that's Dmitry Vronkov. Um, you know, he's somebody who, you know, we, we wanted to chat with him. We asked about media availability and he very much does not, English is not there yet. And that's okay. Uh, so we did not get a chance to chat with him, but I think like the thing about him that's so interesting is like, I was truthfully, like, I think that my expectations of him were tempered quite a bit at Traverse city. And not because I don't think he's going to turn into somebody who's going to be really useful for the jackets. I just think that everybody has been so quick to assume he's going to make the opening night roster because of the piece of his contract that like, if he's in the AHL in December, like he could potentially like return to Russia. I, first of all, like that's not a super uncommon clause in a contract for a guy who has come over from the KHL. Like that's not abnormal. Like he's not the first, he won't be the last. So whether or not he even uses that clause, like if he were in the AHL, like it's not even a guarantee, but I digress in that to say, 
he needs some more time like to adjust to North American ice to adjust to that first, like that immediate first stride, which like should be like, he's a big dude. Like he should be able to make it happen. But like, it's just like, he's got to, he's got to get there. And I think that I was a little bit taken back by him in Traverse city and in the less than positive way, but like, not because I'm worried just because I like think that it became clear to me that, the expectation that he's going to make this roster like foregone conclusion, like I think is maybe jumping the gun a little bit here. I think that like, could he very well make this team? Yeah, absolutely. Like he has the talent. It's just that I think that I could see a situation where he doesn't and that's okay too. Yeah. He was, um, I won't say I was, I won't say I was over or underwhelmed. I was just whelmed by Dimitri and I think more from, again, like the, the feelings part of things. And this was from talking with Megan about it too last night. Cause I was telling her that he wasn't available for, for media because he obviously doesn't speak English and they didn't have a translator there for him. So I also think that like, and cause this it plays into anyone's job. Like it's a big transition for him coming over to America. Like, He's by himself, um, doesn't speak the language. So like it's, and there weren't any other Russian players on the Traverse City team um, that I'm sure like that he could have bonded with um, or at least had someone to like have a conversation. Now I'm sure that they're, they are trying and they are finding ways like Google Translate is a thing. So like, I'm sure they were using you know, different ways to communicate with him, obviously, but I just feel like it's such a huge cultural change and like you're lonely and you can't communicate fully and it's a lot. So um, do I think he may necessarily make the opening night roster? Uh, maybe not, but I think his skill and his size are definitely going to get him there. But I just think kind of like with uh, Marchenko last year, he may need some time in the AHL to just get things going and get comfortable. And then he can come to Columbus in like late October, mid November and start kicking ass just like Marchie did. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's a similar, very different players, similar ish trajectory though. I think in their transition to North America, um, Laura, let's shift over to the defense. Let's actually just do two of these folks because there are less of them and I don't know that there are as many storylines here. Obviously, like the injury to Jake Bean makes things a little bit complicated in this in this realm because it sounds like he's going to be out for a few weeks and maybe even like into the season a little bit. And so, like that's something to keep note of. Obviously, that's going to affect who all makes this team, how many people make this team off of this list, because he could be put on an IR list that would be able to let them hold somebody else over, right? Like keep him on the roster. So as we're looking at the defensemen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first for these ones. This is the game that we get to play because you got to go first with the forwards. I am really interested in seeing um, hmm, who to go with first, who to go with first. I'm interested in seeing Stanislav Svotsel. I He's somebody who like ended the season in the NHL, which was because of all of the injuries that we all know and love. So like, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, Obviously, I think he's somebody who I have earmarked for Cleveland, of course. But I think what's going to be fascinating about him is like seeing the way in which he like navigates that transition to Cleveland, all that kind of stuff. Only because like he is somebody who like recently like 
originally it was not thought that he was going to be somebody who was like a scorer, right? Like he wasn't going to be somebody who was going to like contribute to the offense played on a team with Connor Bedard. Right. So like the idea that like potentially like he was just being, you know, supplemented by Connor Bedard scoring all this kind of stuff, real concern. But like, I also don't know that like we need him to be like this, like elite offensive defenseman. Like, I think that like we have some of that in the pipeline already. And I think that we're going to be okay there especially like after you see like what Dan Matejchuk did in Traverse City but like I he is somebody who's going to be fascinating to watch because I actually I think that he is somebody who could develop into more than what we expected. I think he has shown tremendous growth in his draft plus one year. Uh and so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing just like what comes out of his camp this year now that he's going to have a, an assurance that like it's not going to be the WHL for him after this camp, like it's either going to be the AHL or the NHL and he's going to be able to prepare for that. Yeah. I don't have much to add about him except for the fact that we were supposed to interview him for one of the fun things that we were doing. And um, it ended up not happening because he wanted to go play soccer with the other boys. And it was just like the most charming yeah. <laughs> and adorable situation ever. I would also want to play soccer instead of talking to either one of us. So I get it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, hey. I think we're charming. So sure. Absolutely. So is a soccer ball sometimes. <laughs> um, okay. So my first defenseman um, is Adam Boquist. I just really want to see him rise to the occasion. He has a lot of competition. He is a little China doll. I really wish to Christ he would change his name, his number, but you know, it is what it is. But God and, forbid, but God forbid your co-host ever have suggested one time that like maybe him wearing Ryan Murray's number was a problem. That was like two years ago. Are you ever going to let it, it down? No, absolutely not. Are you kidding? Have we met? <laughs> That's true. Um, but no, I just, I really want him to rise to the occasion and fight for his place. Because um, I, I, I'm not ready to give up hope. So yeah, that's my fair. first one is Adam Boquist. I'm not either, if it makes you feel any better. My constant jabs at him needing to change his number are not reflective of my feelings about him as a human or as a player. I think he's going to be great. I just need him to like, you said rise to the occasion. I just need him to rise. Like I need him to be able to stand up without like having to like use break all his bones. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I like need him to be okay. I referenced this guy in talking about Stanislav Svotsl and I'm just going to like ride with it because I think that he is another player whose storyline is really interesting, especially because of some of this, like we talked a little bit about it with Jordan Dume, but like, let's talk about it a little bit here for me, like with, with Den Matejak. I mean, he's somebody who is you know also entering what would be a season that, either has him needing to stay in the CHL uh, and not be able to play in the AHL or like potentially making this team. And originally, like I thought it was, I didn't really have him earmarked for the team at all this year. Like I wasn't expecting much in terms of that for him. I mean, like he's played in, this would be his. Hmm. So he's played in 65, 63, so 128, 135, 151 WHL games. And he, I mean, like this kid like puts up points like no other. Like he is definitely a point scorer. Uh, You know, he 
is somebody who really impressed me in Traverse City. So I'm just excited to see like what he's going to bring to the training camp this this season and i am interested to see if he is also another player that could potentially be considered for this like exemption situation again i don't think that that is i'm going to just say this i don't think that that's going to happen for either him or jordan dumay because i would have the impression that like some of those things in the back channels would have already been happening and we maybe would have heard about it so we're going to see what happens there i just you know everybody's aware of what the agreement is with the chl we're just going to see what happens there but Obviously, with Moose Draw, he was he was excellent, and so I don't know that he has more development to do there. But it's we're gonna see what happens. Maybe he makes this team. I don't think he will, but that's why his storyline is so interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with him in Traverse City, so um, it's gonna be interesting to see where they decide is the best place for him. And I like to firmly believe that they have those best intentions, but I know these decisions are difficult. Um, But my second and last defenseman is one of the new guys. I am really interested to see Damon Severson or Severson Severson um, play. And I've watched some of his highlights, um, but he's here with us for quite a bit. So I want to get a feel for his, you know, his gameplay, his attitude, um, he seems like he'd be a really good locker room guy, like really easygoing and, uh, stuff like that. But I'm just interested, interested to see, um, who he matches up with, um, in the defense, defensive pairings. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just interested to learn more about him. Yeah. Agreed. I think he's going to be fun to watch. I think I'm excited to see what comes of his, his training camp and like you said where is he going to end up in the lineup i don't know that there's a wrong answer but we're going to see we're going to see what happens here so uh laura any other thoughts about training camp as we get started i mean obviously we've talked about some of the players that have the best storylines but you know it's it's just going to be an interesting dynamic to see how things go like is there anything else that's on your mind for training camp i mean no not greatly i mean obviously i am interested in aaron dell the goalie that we have um we brought in on a pt uh just because our goalie situation is so weird and crazy right now with obviously elvis will be the starter but who's going to back up elvis because uh terry is on the injured list right now along with marchenko who is day-to-day um and then Matthew Olivier, who is week to week, but is from an injury that happened at the end of last season. And the team was aware that he wasn't going to be ready um, potentially by camp. So um, I think that's all four of them, right, Terry? Yep. Uh, yeah, because yeah, we and, talked about Jake Bean already. Yep, so um, Terry and Marchenko are day-to-day, and then Bean Olivier week to week, yep. And it's weird. I know we talked about this like off air. It's weird to me and interesting that like they are using very specific injury. Like, and I think that some of this is actually like maybe also due to some of the like sports betting things and trying to like, again, not like give up everything, but like, I think that maybe there's like a little bit of a push from the NHL to like be a little bit more descriptive, like not majorly, but like a little bit more. Um, And so, yeah. So an abductor strain for Jake Bean, which again, like you said, is the injury that was not, really like i mean i'm sure the team knew before yesterday but like i like still it's the one i think they're less they were less aware of but is going to yes. take the most time yep so not great 
Yeah, which as Aaron Portsland said, it's a real kick in the pants. Um, which but I, I mean, Matthew Olivier, the Matthew Olivier not being ready for the season thing, like if he's not, like that makes some things a little bit more interesting in that bottom because like I'm not convinced that he would have made the team. Like I know that that's like a really like controversial take and I know that like there's a lot of love for Matthew Olivier, especially like coming from me. Like I love Matthew Olivier. I just don't know that he was going to make this team like as one of the 12 forwards, like maybe as like the 13th forward, like, but like with him now being potentially on IR to start the season, it'll be interesting to see how that affects maybe who gets kept at the, and like, because you're not going to want to like replace a Matthew Olivier with like a league and foodie, right? Like those are two very different players. Like who is it on this lineup? Like, is it traffic? Like, you know what I mean? So it's just going to be interesting to see like what they do with that. So, mm. but yeah, so I'm interested to see Aaron Dell play, um, cause he has definitely potential to get a contract, but also to potentially, depending on how long they think Terry's going to be out, um, or Terry, if they want to start Terry in the AHL to like get back up to speed before he starts backing up Elvis. Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. And obviously I am always, always rooting for Elvis. And I, I do hope that this is a comeback situation for him but I will keep my Elvis comments to a minimum, even though his new helmet is really awesome looking. So this could be the shortest, like from here until, you know, hopefully may because the blue jackets will hopefully make the playoffs, even though we all know where I'm at on that. Uh, that, that this will be the least amount that we talk about Elvis on the show from now until then. Like I, I can guarantee that. And hopefully it's all positive. Yeah, no, of course. We have no context to believe that, like, it might not be. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, uh, Laura, I think that about wraps this one up. What a good episode. I think it was so much fun being able to bring the folks into Traverse City, putting a putting a bow on all the, all the Babcock stuff, kind of just, like, moving forward. I think that we are doing what the team is hoping to do, and that is, like, looking forward to the season. And that's what this episode is all about. So... I've had a lot of fun chatting about it. I hope you all have had a, a good time, you know, hearing about it, hearing all of the interviews that we got a chance to do. And obviously like, let us know your thoughts as we head into training camp. Who is it that you're most excited to see? Who is it that you're most worried about going into camp? All of those kind of things. You know, we love to hear it. We love to bring it to y'all um, on the show as well. So like, let us know. We'll feature some of our favorite comments in the um, future episodes. And so uh, we appreciate you all for being here with this, with this ride. And there's more coming. Like this is not all of the Traverse City content. So I guess another thing that's important, uh, we've got a fun little like video coming up here soon. And so, you know, you're going to want to keep an eye out for that. And there is one way. Well, they're actually a plurality of ways, but like the starting way, is to make sure that you listen up to what Laura is about to tell you because Laura has the plug for all of our content, where you can find it all. Um, I wrote a little story about Pascal Vincent, and Laura will tell you where you can find that, where you can follow our individual writing Twitter. So, Laura, take it away. Tell the people where they can find all that good shit. Yes, Jeremy did uh, return to writing with an article about the Blue Jackets brand new head coach, Pascal Vincent. And you can find the link to that um, on his writing Twitter, which is ITR Jeremy. Um, I'm hopefully coming out with an article about Mr. Adam Fantilli here in the next couple of days. And you'll be able to find that on my writing Twitter, which is ITR Laura. 
And then you can obviously follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Please subscribe at Subjectively Speaking. And then we do have a lovely, lovely website that has all the links to all these things. That is subjectivelyspeaking.com. And if you are looking to start getting some new uh, things to wear to games or just out and about and want to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, please visit our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com. Um, lots of fun uh, things to get you ready for the season in there. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts. Scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And as usual, we don't know how the algorithms work. We just know that all of your likes, subscriptions, uh, comments, stars, whatever, helps to get us noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring um, a lot more people to this lovely little community of ours. But other than that, we are so excited for hockey to be officially back, and we just love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. And if you're one of the, like, few thousand people who, like, have recently started listening to our show, like, shout out to you all. We appreciate you. Um, welcome into the shit show. We hope you enjoy it because uh, we love it, and we hope that you will, too. So, um Thank you all so much for all the support, as always. Thank you for keeping it locked on Subjectively Speaking during our Traverse City content. Uh, it was so much fun to bring it to you all. And just make sure that as we approach the season, you are doing everything you can to take care of yourselves, take care of one another, be kind to one another, show each other love, respect, all of that kind of stuff. Because I think more than ever, like we recognize how important that is to, to do. And so continue to build our community up, continue to show love for one another. And we will talk to you all here very soon. Bye.